Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of MA Architects Make It Innovative, featuring deep dive discussions on the world of innovation as it relates to the built environment. I am Mark Bryan, the Director of Innovation and Research for MA Architects, a certified futurist, master trend forecaster, and designer. On this episode, we're going to be talking about medicine, culture, and community, and how these are all linked through one business in Central Ohio, or should I say, one can of business. And I'm Sam Moeller, the Director of Strategic Communications for MA, and a guru on all things behavioral psychology, change communications, and mental health. I'm excited for today's conversation, particularly because I'm here to learn and listen as much as our audience on an increasingly hot topic, cannabis, the commercialization of marijuana. Please be aware that cannabis and related laws vary, and the experts on today's show are owner and operators representative of Ohio exclusively. Today's conversation is really designed to inform the audience about this fast-changing industry and not necessarily promote the use or sale of illegal drugs, but just to inform and educate. So welcome today, Zach Weprin, a partner at Certified Cultivators in Dayton, Ohio, which hosts family businesses from auto parts to sushi to medical marijuana. That's a portfolio, Zach. Yeah, we've been we've been working for a while. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite a differentiation. Zach is one of the co-founders of Ohio favorite fast casual upscale build your own sushi restaurant concept fusion, which is how we originally met. And now he's focusing his passion on helping people live healthier lives by pushing great conversations and bringing innovation to the medical cannabis industry. Today, we're going to talk to Zach about how his personal story to advocate for better mental health through his latest work and passion. We also have Greg May with us, the founder and principal of Canarev Solutions. He has been a licensed attorney in the state of Ohio for 30 years, as well as a successful small business owner. Greg manages the team's projects from start to finish, ensuring regulatory and licensing compliance. With experience on cannabis license applications in multiple states, his winning approach emphasizes thorough research and analysis of the law, building the right team of industry experts and local professionals, and diligent project management. He also specializes in helping clients secure necessary financing, utilizing his active network of venture capitalists and sale leaseback REITs. And just in case those two gentlemen weren't enough for you, we have Tom Lewis, to know him is to love him, MA's very own architect and designer who has found a passion in this world as well. He's an alum of University of Cincinnati as well as Columbia University. He spent a lot of time in New York City, returning to Columbus where he taught architecture at the Ohio State University Knowlton School of Architecture. And Tom has been part of the design team for several large headquarters in the central Ohio area, most recently for the New Jobs Ohio headquarters in the Huntington Center in downtown Columbus. His impressive experience and ability to energize and collaborate with all team members makes him a valuable asset to any and every project. Welcome, Zach, Greg, and Tom. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Now the real fun starts, you guys. What I think is so interesting is I approached Zach to come on the podcast to talk about Fusion, and you were like, I'm not so super interested to talk about that as much as this new endeavor, which is also a new endeavor for MA with Tom, as he's been designing a lot of dispensaries with Greg. So it was interesting, all these parallels drawing together. And then I just found out that Greg was also in the restaurant world prior to in with Buffalo Wild Wings for how many years? 18 years. So it's so interesting to me that Zach, you and Greg both came from restaurants and then now are using that world of retail in a whole different application. So I'm really excited to get started on this conversation. And it's not something I know a ton about. So you guys are looking at three ultimate experts right here, right now. And I, I cannot wait. Before we get started talking about cannabis, we want to get to know you guys a little bit more personally. Sound good? Sure. 
Zach, I'm, I know you the best. I'm going to hit you first. You ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> it's a blessing and a curse. What are you most excited about these days? Um, I'm, I'm flabbergasted by the, the opportunity that is ahead of us and, and what I get to do every single day. Um, for the last you know, 11 years, I was focused on building a restaurant company and building community across Ohio through our product of sushi um, and learning how to build a business and to, to hire a team and how to connect with the, with the, the community through a product. And um, now after um, kind of this, this all started from a dream. It started in September of 2016 with my father. And uh, we, we said, why not us? Why can't we also be um, in this business? Why can't we win one of these licenses? And um, after a, a four-year journey um, of lots of highs and lows, and um, we ended up in the position where we won a level one cultivation and processing license through our, our warehouse in Dayton, Ohio, um, where we've been converting a 97,000-square-foot old um, auto parts facility into a, a world-class cannabis facility. And um, I'm just grateful for, for the opportunity to, to, to build community through, through a product that I do believe in. Um, I was diagnosed with Crohn's when I was 12, um, so I've been dealing with mental and physical health related to that. So I'm a, I'm a patient as well. Um, so being having the opportunity to kind of be a voice in the industry and, and um, talk about the product and really kind of create conversation around it, I think is is kind of the beginning um, because cannabis has has um, it means so much to so many different people, but it doesn't uh, you know it hasn't been in, until as time keeps moving forward, it allows people are more willing and comfortable to talk about it. Um, so just being in the room and having a conversation is, is where I want to, you know, spend all my time and focus and, and, and push this, this industry forward. And it's, it's moving fast. Um, and I, I couldn't be more grateful to, to, to be in the room with you guys. So thanks for including me. We're so excited to have you have a conversation in this room with us. What is your best way to decompress? Cause you are a born entrepreneur. (laughs) Um, wow. That's a good question. Um, uh, I mean, it, it, you know, I like to, right, well, right now, you know, certified cultivators, we, uh, we're putting out some really good flour. Um, we've got some, we got our vape cartridges on the market. We got our gummies on the market. Um, so our, uh, you know, as, as I mentioned, I'm a patient. So, um, you know, over the last couple of years when I went off Zoloft and, and focused more on edibles, that was a, that was a, a good thing for me personally. Interesting. Um, and it's different for everybody. Um, but, uh. Yeah, I mean, trying to try to decompress and kind of, you know, take a step back and kind of understand the position that we're in and, and you know, travel or I don't I don't I don't know if that was a good answer or not. But um, you there know. is no right answer. Just what's right for you. I think that's really cool. And I really yeah. appreciate your vulnerability from the get. I think that today's conversation is going to be so much more meaningful with everyone being so willing to be honest and, and talk about it in a really mature way. You know, I think that anyone who's still giggling when they hear the word cannabis is probably could um, use a little bit more education around the topic because it's a real thing. And I, I really appreciate you talking about it in a real way. I think it's awesome. Well, yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's like, I, I'm envisioning like my father over the last four years kind of telling, you know, selling his goal and his vision to every human that we've interacted with. And, you know, some are supporting and some are like, there's no way you're going to be able to pull this off and trying to overcome those objections, you know, internally as we're moving forward. And, you know, he's been ranting about how, you know, cannabis is good for Crohn's for forever, or at least as, as far as I can remember, because I've been dealing with it for my whole life. And, um, you know, people would look at him like you're crazy. 
Um, so, you know, now it's that that transition's happening and, and as it's just it's wild to kind of be on that ride and, and be a part of that so I think that's so cool and not to derail from the questions but I, I really appreciate that because you were talking about mental health earlier as well oh yeah and I see that in that world in that space as well where conversations are shifting from stigma to strength where it's not an embarrassing thing if you say I'm dealing with depression or I have anxiety you know where before you would never ever tell anybody that I remember going my first job and my parents saying do not ever tell a doctor because that will go on your record and your job will be able to see if you ever said that you had anxiety and I'm thinking oh my gosh okay you know I never want to admit it and now what a shift and what a difference where it's so honored and respected and I just love the way things are trending you know I think it's very easy for people to get down on oh the world today blah 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 but I actually think it's a really beautiful thing that people are opening up and their their hearts and their minds last question for you before I get way too off track because I'm too into this conversation already Zach what is the skill still unmastered anything in your life oh man um Relationships. Everything stems with relationships, and I think there's always areas for improvement in all of them. Um, you know, new ones, old ones, uh, all of them. So I think there's always, you know, at Fusion we would always say Kaizen, which is a little continuous improvement. So I think there's always opportunities to improve relationships, and sometimes I do well at it, and sometimes I fail at it, and um, I don't think there's anything that's ever fully mastered. I just want to try to get a little bit better and and keep moving forward. So. I love that. It's the true entrepreneurial spirit right there. Yeah. Keep learning, never stop. Absolutely. There's no end. I like that. All right, Greg, you got a little bit of sneak peek. So now you know what's coming at you. What are you most excited about these days, Greg? Uh, right now, um, I'm excited about uh, what's happening in Ohio and the cannabis industry specifically. We're getting ready to uh, have another round of uh, dispensary applications here. Uh, much needed. Um, so, you know, it's, it's an exciting time. We don't know exactly when the process is, is going to happen, but it should be within the next several months. And, and so, um, it's, it's, you know, it's both the result of the growth that our programs had since the inception of it. And, um, you know, kind of a sneak peek into the future in terms of, you know, how big this industry is going to get. Um, so that, that, and just in general, just the, uh, the continued, uh, pace that we're, the increasing pace, I should say, of, of cannabis reform in the United States. Um, recently, we just had some comments from uh, Chief Justice Thomas, uh, of all people, who, who I think really um, kind of woke some people up on, on just what's happening, you know, in our country with regard to the reform of cannabis laws in particular. Uh, and I think that, uh, you know, it's, it's a situation not, not when... Or, or not if, you know, we're going to see some type of federal uh, legalization, but just when. And, and so that, that's really exciting because, you know, we're looking at people say it's a new industry. Well, it's really not. OK, it, it, it's been around for a long, long time. It's a new legal legalized industry. And there's so much opportunity in this industry right now. Um, and, and, you know, it's um, uh, we need that. You know, we really do in our economy right now. So, you know, that's exciting in and of itself as well. I think that's so interesting. Mark is a futurist, and he and I travel a lot to South by Southwest in Austin. And it was interesting. In 2019, they changed cannabis from a trend to a track of its own, where it's that much of an industry to be recognized as its own track. You know, they had all the education around it, all the courses, seminars around it. And so it is. You're right. The evolution is, is well, very real. And most people, when, they, when, I, <clears throat> when I talk about opportunities in the industry, a lot of people, um, and, and rightfully so, think about things people like Zach and, and the things that he's doing, right, as a licensed operator. 
but there's just an immense amount of potential in terms of business to business types of things. And, and, and just as an example, I have a client uh, based in Maine that has uh, developed a software as a service platform for compliance in the cannabis industry. Um, and, and I'm just extremely excited about introducing this platform into Ohio in the next couple of weeks as well. I should have mentioned that. Uh, but, but, you know, I tell people compliance is um, not the sexy part of the industry at all, uh, but it's absolutely critical to the industry. If we're going to have a viable um, and sustainable cannabis industry, then, then compliance and testing are, you know, critical to that because that's what separates the legal industry essentially from from the illicit industry. Absolutely. That's so interesting. What is your best way to decompress? Well, uh, I just am in the process of obtaining my medical marijuana card. So so I would like to say in a couple of weeks, my answer could be different after <laughs> after I've been able to, to, to sample some of the ways that, that uh, Zach is, is relaxing. But um, I would say right now, uh, taking walks with my dog and biking or, or this time of year. Love it. Uh, probably my favorite ways to just uh, get things off my mind and, and uh, you know, exercise. I'm realizing now we have about 15 of those questions that we interchange depending on the podcast guest. And the, for us to have picked the best way to decompress with this crowd feels a little ironic. I feel like we probably could have answered it ourselves, but but that's very cool. I decompress with my bike uh, oh, yeah. five times a week, so we should probably ride together. We should soon. probably yeah. do that. I'm discovering all the new bike trails in Columbus, or the old bike trails yeah. in Columbus, I should say. They're new to me, but, you know. I was going to say, you guys have a lot of parallels, yeah. a lot of connections. Last question for you, Greg, before we really get into the the conversation what is the skill still unmastered i'm gonna say golf uh <laughs> I, I play a lot of golf that's another way that i relax or try to um it's not always very relaxing um but you know i've gotten decent at it but i think it's a it's an endeavor it's a it's a it's a thing that you never really master um you you try to and you and it's all about the journey yeah. right so um I, i'm always trying to get better uh and and you learn a lot about yourself um through the game as well uh, if you really, you know, are into the game, you know, you can learn a lot about your weaknesses and strengths as a person, uh, you know. Yeah. I so, love that. Yeah. Very, very cool. These are great answers, you guys. Tom, you're the last one. I can't wait to pick on you. <laughs> <laughs> Tom is one of my favorites at MA. Let's talk about this. What are you most excited about these days? Uh, well, first of all, these two smart guys picked up both of my thoughts, but uh, the really excited about the new uh, RFA2 coming out with the dispensaries, uh, the collaboration Greg and I are involved with. You know, we've signed a couple NDAs with literally world-class organizations. So just the, the sense of the kind of lifestyle brand for the cannabis industry and how that is going to evolve, it's, it's just super exciting to be a part of this whole new industry. Um, and I've been lucky enough with Greg and I, you know, since 2017 to really learn, um, learn the evolution of this industry. So it's, it's really exciting times. Absolutely. What is the best way to decompress? <sighs> Jeez. Um, I also walking the dogs with my wife, um, and golf, you know, I, I'm as Greg and I have a lot of passions together uh golf is definitely the kind of uh you know it's it's so humbling because once again you can never master that game but i think just just the opportunity to walk in the park and really kind of 
learn more about yourself and how you interact with people. It's just a great way to get to know people in, the, in that community. When you have five hours to play golf with somebody, you really get to know who they are um, as a person. And, you know, I, I've been lucky enough to play golf my whole life and learned a lot of incredible life lessons. Uh, my mother was, her best friend was Jack Nicholas and told us as, as little kids um, when we were being brats, none of you are good enough to be mad. <laughs> Enjoy the walk in the park. So I use that line and I really try to try to heed that and, and really enjoy the time and be present um, in, the, in the sport. That's a cool thing I never knew about you, Tom. Yeah. Very cool. Last question for you. What is the skill still unmastered? Oh, public speaking for sure. Uh, and I hope I never master that. Um, but uh, I, I really like Zach's comment about community and relationships. Um, I, I treat that very seriously. And I really try to build meaningful relationships, not just, hi, how you doing? Really try to get to know. So, uh, you know, just through what I read and the people I surround myself by, um, I really try to build up that community of, of folks and learn from like these two smart guys. I know? love it. I know it's a really cool room of humans right now. <laughs> I'm here for it. I'm, I'm not just cause I'm biased, but let's get started. You guys, I got a lot to learn in a short amount of time. Zach, tell me what is the current status of the world of cannabis in Ohio, at least. Let's just say we're speaking about this state. What is it like today right now? What's allowed? What's not allowed? What is this new round of licensure and all that? What's going on? Well, we are, we are in our infancy stage at the highest level. I mean, it is so early on. And in, in, Ohio is going to be one of the six biggest markets in the entire country. Um, and I know how much, you know, there's, there's a, a, a small amount of square footage for cultivation in the state of Ohio right now. There's a limited amount of dispensaries. Um, so the, the ability to just create products and to serve the, the patient um, is in its very infancy stage. You know, there's only about 170, 175,000 unique patients in the state of Ohio today. Um, that number is growing significantly by somewhere between, you know, 7,500 to 10,000 patients a month. Um, and it's only going to continue to grow as the new dispensaries start to open up over the next, you know, two years. Um, but you know, in a, in a, in the long run, I mean, there's, there's, it's, it's only going to get, you know, the, the, a mature medical market is, is more than twice the size where we're currently at. And eventually when recreational comes, comes about, which it will, um, then it's just, I mean, you're, you're talking about, you know, 4 million customers. So it's, it's a whole different, uh, it's a, you know, this is, it's so early in, in the overall kind of big picture of, of where we're at. Um, and it takes time to build. So it's, uh, it, you know, you can only, you can only grow it so fast. So comparatively, where are states that are the most progressive right now? I'm no expert in, in other states by any means. I, I, and I'm no expert in Ohio either. Um, I only know what I've been doing. I've only, I've only been doing this for a year. I, I, I left Fusion full-time last spring. Um, so this is, uh, it's all still very new and I'm learning the whole industry. I mean, obviously on the coast, you're, you're seeing a lot more growth on the West coast. Um, cause it's, you know, all those States on the West coast are all wrecked and now you're starting to see it happen on, you know, up in the Northeast and it's slowly trickling into the Midwest and the Midwest is going to be a powerhouse. I mean, you see what's happening in Illinois right now and, you know, the Pennsylvania market. I mean, we're, Ohio is very similar to the Pennsylvania market. We're just a couple years behind. 
you know, they have over 500,000 patients right now. Um, so it's, it's still very early on and, um, you know, we're just getting started. So that's, uh, and it takes time to build. So I don't, I don't, uh, you know, we're, um, you know, we're just uh, kind of like what we said for, you know, we've been saying for fusion for the last 12 years, it's kind of one patient, one customer at a time and, and just keep going and, and create, you know, connections through that and, and you build it over the long term. You know, we're, um, you know, we're one of the fewer local, local guys here operating in Ohio. So we, you know, we've, we, we compete with the big guys. Um, I've been doing that my whole life. Um, so is my father. So we're, we're used to that. And that, that gives us a, a slight edge, we believe. And it kind of continues to instill confidence in us to why can't we compete with the big boys? Um, and um, we're doing it. So it's, um, it's, 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 it's very exciting. I, I don't know what else to say. No, it's great. <laughs> I, it's amazing. You're such great. an entrepreneur because he's like, I don't really know that much. Let me tell you all this empirical data <laughs> from the top of my head. Le- I mean, you guys are just brilliant. And I'm curious too, Greg, you were telling us a little bit um, before we started recording about who governs what. So as far as how everything is divided and managed, I think that was really interesting because that was news to me. Can you share that with our audience? Sure. Um, so our program is a medical-only program. Uh, everybody asks me all the time, you know, when are we going to adult use? Uh, no one really knows the answer to that question, but I can tell you probably not before the end of 2022 um, and probably not until at the earliest sometime in 2023. And that's if, you know, a lot of things happen. Um, but our medical program is uh, governed by the two, two state uh, departments, essentially, uh, the Department of Commerce, which uh, has authority over uh, cultivators such as Jack, uh, Zach and, and processors. And Zach, you have a processor license too, right? So, so they, uh, they, they uh, have authority over the growing of, of cannabis, medical cannabis, and the processing, which is essentially the manufacture of uh, cannabis extracts into various uh, products such as uh, gummies, uh, vape cartridges, to- uh, topicals, and et cetera. Um, and then the dispensaries, the retail outlets, are, are governed, by the, governed by the Board of Pharmacy. Um, and, and they regulate all aspects of the sale of uh, medical marijuana and products in, in the state of Ohio. Interesting. And you guys were talking about licenses coming out. They're getting ready for applications. What does that mean, or who is doing that? So um, there are, the first time that uh, dispensary licenses were awarded in Ohio, they were going to award up to 60. Uh, I believe at that time they ended up uh, awarding 56. Um, and, and, and then there were a, bun- a handful of others that were uh, awarded on uh, appeals. Uh, I'm not sure the exact number we have at this time. I believe we have like 54 open. There's another four or five that are getting ready to open. Um, at some point. Uh, so we're now uh, getting ready for a second round of applications, and, and the Board of Pharmacy has announced that in this uh, round of applications, they're going to award 73 uh, retail dispensary licenses, so more than double uh, the number that we have. The reason for that, uh, according to the Board of Pharmacy, is, uh, as Zach mentioned, that the, the patient growth in Ohio has exceeded their projections. Uh, we're, we're ahead of where we thought we would be at this time. And at the same time, uh, we only have 50-some dispensaries in the state of Ohio, and there's a large, uh, there's, there's a number of counties that don't have dispensaries at all. Uh, there are areas of the state where patients have to drive potentially two or three counties to get to a dispensary. So the board wants to correct those issues, uh, hopefully in this round of dispensaries, spread them out more across the state. And, and essentially that what they did was they looked at where the patients are, uh, you know, where, where they're located, and they tried to start 
you know, putting dispensaries essentially where the patients are. Um, and so, you know, they created a very complicated map, um, dividing the state into various districts. You know, so there's some, there's some uh, math to it uh, in, in terms of where they're putting them. But, you know, this is going to, you know, the reality is that that many dispensaries is really kind of the choke point of our, of our program right now. Um, you know, people like Zach would, would love to see more dispensaries because they can start utilizing more of their footprint w uh, for, for growing, right? The, the, we can only grow as, you know, we, we don't want to have big surpluses of products. So, um, you know, we can only really grow as much as we can sell. And right now that, that is all basically the bottleneck is the number of dispensaries that we have. So interesting. And I love your perspective as an attorney, too. It definitely brings something different and a really interesting dynamic to the conversation. I'm curious, Zach or Greg, both of you, there are so many acronyms in this industry. And if you go to Whole Foods, they have CBD is everywhere. And you're like, oh, is this bad? I don't know. You know, so what is the difference between CBD and THC and hemp and all of it? I'll take a stab at that, I guess. Um, <laughs> the, 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 first of all, we're, most of the acronyms that you're referring to are what are called cannabinoids. Um, these are all elements of the plant. These are, uh, there, there's over 100 known cannabinoids in the plant. CBD is one of them, uh, THC, and these all have very long technical names. Uh, CBD stands for cannabidiol. Okay, and so we say CBD because who wants to go around saying that all day, right? Much prefer CBD um, to say it, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> THC stands for tetrahydrocannabinol. All right, so that's also tough. These are tongue twisters, right? <laughs> so, so thankfully we have these acronyms, uh, and like I said, most of them are going to be cannabinoids in the plant. Uh, a lot of people have heard a lot about hemp recently. Uh, hemp was federally legalized in uh, late 2018, um, and across the nation, and and so I get a lot of questions. What's the difference between hemp and and cannabis? And the difference is essentially what I would call a legal fiction. Uh, we, we, we came up with this arbitrary, you know, bar, line in the sand, whatever you want to call it, that has to do with the content of THC, which is the psychoactive compound found in the cannabis plant. Uh, anything under 0.03%, it's a very negligible, negligible amount of THC, is considered hemp. Anything over that is considered cannabis or marijuana. Uh, they're all part of the cannabis plant, though, you see. Mm -hmm. So there's really no difference in the plant, the hemp plant, and the medical marijuana plant, or the adult-use cannabis, uh, adult-use marijuana plant. It has to come down, it comes down to the THC content. The other cannabinoids that you hear about, CBD, CBN, CBG, CBC, all these, they're all basically hemp extracts. A lot of those same cannabinoids are found in the medical marijuana plant, uh, but, but with hemp, you know, we're focusing more on these what I call minor cannabinoids, uh, and, and we're starting to learn you know, what types of uh, effects those have on the human endocannabinoid system. Uh, the, you know, just as an example, we're learning that CBN, um, and don't ask me what that one is because I'm I've not never even be heard of CBN you. yet, so I'm not <laughs> even okay. going to push you. <laughs> but CBN is a very minor cannabinoid, but we're finding out that, that the, and one of the things that happens is when, when, when marijuana gets old, uh, when it sits on the shelf for a long time, the THC degrades, okay? It drops over time. It turns into or morphs into CBN. And, and so what we're learning is CBN is actually a great sleep aid. And, and so you're starting to see a lot of products on the market that feature CBN. Some, some of them are combined with other uh, natural sleep aids like uh, uh, melatonin, things like that. But, you know, 
these things would not be possible without the legalization of hemp that happened in late 2018. And of course, you know, we're starting to see from a legal standpoint, um, some of the challenges that law enforcement faces um, when it comes to the distinction between hemp and marijuana. And just as an example, um, uh, you know, up until the legalization of hemp, the odor of marijuana when a, when a police officer would pull you over was reason enough for them to search your car. That was called, that it gave them probable cause. But now, since smokable hemp flour is legal, the odor itself does not give them probable cause. They have to know something else. Like maybe they see some plastic bags in your front seat or something. Yeah. You know? But but the odor itself is not. So, you know, I was at a seminar once and, and a major from the Ohio Highway Patrol got up and said, uh, you know, we, we've had to reassign the, the drug sniffing dogs. You know, don't don't worry. You know, they're, they, they're, we're not retiring them. They're going to another. <laughs> yeah, we're going to another division. But we 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 can't use that anymore for probable cause to search a vehicle. So so, you know, the impact of the legalization of hemp and cannabis is is going to play out over the next decade or more in terms of these other what I would call, you know, corollary impacts. So interesting. Well, and Zach, I'd like to know, where does certified cultivators fit into all of this? So we know that certified cultivators is a state certified level one cultivator and processor through the medical marijuana program of Ohio. Could you tell us maybe a little bit more what that actually means? Yeah. Um, so um, it's it's two separate licenses that we operate under the same facility. Um, we have been converting a 97,000 square foot warehouse in Dayton um, where we our, our license as it is today is uh, the level ones are allowed to, to grow up to 25,000 square feet of canopy, which is the amount of square footage in the room. Um, and as the state allows us to expand over the next foreseeable future, we'll eventually be able to scale up to 50,000 square feet and then 75,000 square feet. Um, so that's strictly for growing the plant itself um, that we ultimately either take down to our lab and because we have a processor um, where we can do extraction, where we can make products like gummies and, and vape carts and pretty much anything we want. Um, and then we also sell that flour into the dispensary. So we ultimately have the, we're a wholesaler. So we sell all of our product to the dispensaries across the state of Ohio. Um, and, and like, like what Greg was saying is, is, so we have a gummy line right now and they're called the, the certified gems, which is kind of paying homage to gem city, the Dayton, Ohio, where we're from and where we operate. Um, as well as gems themselves and and you know so we have the tangerine citrines and we have the sour watermelon emeralds and when you guys were talking about the cbn so we have a um we have the acai sapphires so those are those are actually 10 milligrams of thc to five milligrams of cbn so that's a product where we actually put cbn in our in our gummies along with the thc um and are great for sleep so it's um you know it's a different so we can make any products that we want at the moment. Um, right now we're making our gummies, we're making our vape carts, and we have our flour on the market. But, you know, we can get into beverages. We can get into tinctures. We, our, our license allows us to create whatever product that we want um, and, and ultimately take it to the market. So, um, yeah, we're, we're currently – we have about 9,700 square feet under canopy as it is today, um, and we're working on expanding. So that's the um, – you know, that's, that's the challenging part about this business is, is – is not only do you, when you when you're in the position of, of 
of having licenses, you actually have to go out there and, and run the business and execute. And, and that, that, that takes another skill set. And that's, uh, um, you know, after running Fusion for 10 years, um, you know, being in business is one thing, but running a business and making it grow and, and building the team and, and, and creating that morale and, and putting yourself in the, in the position from a financial standpoint all need to come together at a very high level to, to ultimately not only build a business but make it sustainable for the long term. Um, and, and that's a challenging, that's a different skill set. Um, so, you know, it's, it, when I hear Greg talking and, and, you know, he's using words that I can barely pronounce and, you know, <laughs> you know, I, there's always, there, we need, you know, super intelligent people like him in the industry and around us so we can continue to push it forward. So it's, you know, it's, I, I, I'm thinking to myself about the team that we've developed and the team that we have. I mean, if I put, you know, our, our Mazin, who's the, you know, our, our he runs our entire lab in here and he starts talking about CBN and CBG and CVG and all these different cannabinoids. And I just sit back and listen because I don't know what he's talking about. But what I am hearing though is, is how do we take that information and then, and then share that story and create, make it more accessible and, and educate, and educate everybody. So I think that's kind of where I operate from my lens is, is, is how do I do my best to, create education and doing things like this, um, you know, getting people to talk about it and figuring out how I can take that information and make it more accessible to your, you know, your, your, your mother who's, you know, 75 years old or 80 years old that's trying to get better sleep at night and trying to take away some, you know, pills, you know, whatever it is. So there's just, just creating the conversation and then trying to take that information and making it so simple where people aren't afraid to try something. You know, I've been selling sushi in Ohio for 12 years and trying to convince someone to eat sushi um, that won't try it or thinks it's all raw fish and it'll kill them or all these different things and overcoming these objections of creating education around that. You know, we developed a sushi in schools program where we started partnering with school districts and we started bringing our product inside of the schools and it created community. It got our name out there and we ultimately educated people on the product. So, you know, that's the we're in the very, very infancy stage of, of, of education and that's where I, you know, want to continue to spend my time and focus on is, is how do I make it so we can have this conversation and, and, you know, in local and being local. So it's, you know, I hear you talking about your, you know, your NDAs for all these big corporations and, and, and you look and you're asking about, the, you know, what's going on on the big, you know, on the, on the West Coast and the East Coast and all these big companies. And, you know, you see, you know, some of these companies that are operating in many states across the country. I know how, how hard it is to run one business in one location in my home market. I mean, you know what I'm talking about, Greg. You've been running BW3s for 20 years. So, you know, it's it's not easy running one, let alone going from one to two and two to five and et cetera. Um, you know, so I understand how challenging it is to run these businesses. And um, just because you're there doesn't mean you're going to win. Um, and you got to – it's a it's a daily it's a daily practice and mindset. And um, so it all, all of those pieces need to come together every single day um, to, to really create something long-term and sustainable. Um, well, I mean, what I love about what you're saying is the education factor of it. You know, from all of the research that I did in preparing for this podcast, the innovations that I found most interesting were around education, how people are actually talking about what the culture of cannabis actually is. And, you know, what's interesting to me is some of the research that I found was saying that in 2015, cannabis was one of the fastest-growing businesses in the U.S. And as of today, uh, there are 16 states who have legalized marijuana starting in 2012, with 37 states legalizing medical marijuana. 
Um, and the global legal marijuana market size was valued in the United States at $9.1 billion in 2020 and is expected to expand at a compounded annual growth rate of 26.7% from 2021 to 2028. That's huge. Tremendously. It's a real industry. And I think that I think it's interesting because we're at this really pivotal time in in history right now, especially in life post-pandemic, right, where a lot of people have this fixed, not firm mindset where it's like, this is what I believe and you're not going to tell me otherwise, right? And I really, truly believe maybe it's the yogi in me, I don't know what it is, but to be firm but not fixed, to say, this is what I, I know to be true today with, with learning and with growth, I might believe something to be true tomorrow, right? So it's that idea of firm, not quite so fixed. I am curious, especially for all three of you guys, did you have any stigma? before you were inside the industry in such an intimate way about marijuana or did you ever think oh my gosh that's you know illicit or whatever how did you what was your mindset shift like or what did you have a mindset shift or in conversations with others as you guys are talking about you know educating people from different capacities from the perspective of an owner and operator from the perspective of an attorney from the perspective of a designer what is it like when people are like oh my gosh that's the What's it called? The devil's lettuce, you know, and you're like, come on, let's talk about this like adults. Well, I, you know, going back to your your preface and comments here about education um, and, and tying in, you know, uh, what Zach was saying about, you know, informing people. You know, part of the problem is we, we, we went through this period in our country where we basically ignored the plant. Uh, beyond that, we didn't really do any research and we didn't educate uh, people, we have we have literally two or three generations, or maybe four generations of people in this country that know nothing about it, um, and they don't know the history of it in this country. And um, so that that's kind of what makes education so um, important, and something that I really enjoy doing um, personally is is filling in those gaps, right? And and then when you talk about information gathering, I mean that this is again it's a new legal industry, right? So we're we're now getting to the point where we can take um, customer data from point of sale systems and we're really starting to dig in now what are the products that customers really like what are the ones they find most effective um, you know there's just a ton of information that's being gathered right now that's going to drive this industry for for years and years so um, you know I just want to kind of make that comment and tie it into what Zach had said earlier uh, it, it, it really is one of the most fascinating parts of this industry right now is is the data we're collecting um, and, 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 and just one other comment I want to make about your numbers. I mean, Michigan, uh, just to the north of us, is projected to do $2 billion themselves uh, this year, right? So, I mean, just the, I think some of the projections that came out a few years ago are stale already, yeah. you know? And, and, and we're starting to really kind of reset our, our sites uh, for the next five to ten years in terms of, you know, where this could go. Um, you know, you've got a lot of companies also investigating beverages and things like that. I mean, we haven't even really, you know, the, 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 that side of the industry is, is really just kind of like wide open, you know. Um, so I, I want to take us off track, but I thought those were some interesting insights to this whole idea of education and insight. We have a long way to go uh, as far as educating people. Um, and, and, and really, I mean, when you to answer your question about stigma, you know, in my case, no. Okay, um, I've been familiar with the plant, you know, for, for a long time. And, um, you know, during that time, I never saw anybody OD on, on, on marijuana. I never really saw anybody who I would say was addicted to it. You know, and this whole thing about it being a gateway drug is, is just a lot of misinformation. And, you know, that's what we're trying to erase right now. So I, I, I kind of came at this without the stigma and actually wanting to change the stigma. 
uh, for, for a long time, you know, um, you know, decades, would say, without dating myself too much. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd like to follow up on that. Just the stigma and the education, is, as Greg and Mark were talking about, you know, I mean, I started, you know, when I was basically in junior high, my uncle had cancer. And really the only thing that kind of eased his pain and his ability to eat food was cannabis. You know, to see, you know, my uncle end up passing away in the kind of um, incredible medical uh, advantage that, that he had by, by smoking marijuana was, was incredible to see. So I've been an advocate forever. And I think the the education it's just it's heartwarming to see around the globe what it what it can do and you know there's been such a stigma and there's so many you know people that have been incarcerated and um, I know Zach mentioned you know the big NDAs but they also po- they also partner with local communities and uh, so I, I think there's just a, a groundswell of, of education and um, and goodness coming. I mean, I, I agree with you. I mean, those 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 larger companies are still small. You know, they're still small. They're still trying to create their systems and processes to expand. And it's you know, it's that it they're not any. It's just they're bigger. It or well, they're bigger than I am, but they're still small in terms of their ability to survive in the long term. And they still have to run a business. So it's the impact is 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 massive and. You know, that's the one thing I talk about when I meet everybody else in the industry in Ohio, whether it's the big guys, the small guys, we're all in this together. Um, we all need each other um, today. We're going to need each other more, you know, next year, the year. Like, we're, we're all going to need each other to, to continue to push this program forward in the state of Ohio. And, um, you know, those, you know, those, it's, it's, um, it's a very exciting time. Yeah. Well, and I think it's interesting. We keep talking about there. there's this rich history. You know, there's a lot of uh, backstory that you all were sharing before, but it feels like everything is so new right now. You know, so I feel like there's just everything is being developed. These You talked about these companies are still in their infancy of trying to figure things out. So turning this maybe a little bit to design, you know, Tom, I'm just curious. You know, you talked about being an advocate from advocate to designer. What's your experience been like when designing these stores and dispensaries? Yeah, well, it's been interesting because there's there's such a dichotomy across this country. Uh, State of Ohio is very regulated in the sense of because it's not recreational. So you cannot see into the dispensary. You know, we like to, you know, open it up, share with the community what's going on. But it really is behind the curtain um, that, you know, so the waiting room and the importance of the waiting room is is really important uh, because you, you know, for either you bring your kids and there's a playroom or a meeting room out front. So it's a different mindset on design where if you're, Greg and I helped win a, an application in Napa, which was uh, recreational. And so the, the rules of engagement were completely different. Uh, that was in a retail center and really how to kind of brand and, and talk about, you know, the brand as a lifestyle as well. So all those things are, are really changing. I mean, as a designer, you know, what, what you always look at, too, is the parking lot, you know. 
and you know whether a business is successful. And some of the dispensaries I've been involved with, you know, of course it's because of the great design, but um, <laughs> the uh, to see the parking lot just packed, um, even though it met code for that parking lot, there's so many people that are sitting there waiting and waiting in line that I think this next round, uh, it's been exciting. Greg and I have talked a lot about design issues and you know with covid that you allowed curbside pickup and you know maybe a pickup window or a drive-through as a, as a different experience so i mean the evolution not just from the pandemic but just the evolution of um of these companies as as a lifestyle brand is, is really going to change um and change the design so it's great i, I think about design every I mean, that's the foundation of everything I've been doing for the last over decade with, I mean, Fusion is built off design. Um, you know, the way we went to market, the way we designed our restaurants, the music, the the materials and like everything is just based on design, the logo. Um, you know, when you're bringing a product to market, design is, can differentiate you from, from everyone. So design is 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 the foundation of, of every organization. It's the foundation of retail. It's the foundation of our, our warehouse in Dayton. I mean, the way we design our rooms, our irrigation, our lighting, our everything is based on, you know, the, the end product is a reflection on the design that started years ago in conversation. So that's why, you know, I was I was grateful to be invited to this because, you know, design is one of my favorite things to talk about because there's always, you know, it's... Tommy, that's like, Tommy has summed Tommy. up what Zach... Tommy. I, I call <laughs> Tommy. Tom, Tom, Those that know, know. I can sum up uh, what Zach just said in two words, Tom taught me. Design matters. Design matters, right. And, and he exactly. was the first, you know, when we were working together, that's what he said. And, and I think that's exactly what you just said, Zach, is, is, is not only is it critical in a restaurant or, you know, it's really critical in whatever your business is. But, but in this case, um, you know, when you have a, a cultivation facility, design really matters. Uh, I know there's a lot of growers in the state that don't have the level one uh license they have a level two license and for people that don't understand what that means that's just a smaller grow license and so you know they're constantly looking at ways they can maximize their their cultivation uh capabilities be, by becoming more efficient or using different lighting or you know whatever it is um so there's a great example of, of how much design matters it can it can literally you know impact your bottom line yeah i mean it comes down to you know the display and the lighting and it's almost like jewelry cases because you're not you're not picking up the product but it's how you see the product and you know we got down to the custom metal detailing of the display pieces and you know is that weld ground is is that the kind of you know is that the image that you want to portray or is it left more raw and painted so just like zach's you know great experience it does come down to all those details because then it, you know, it kind of leads the witness towards the product that you're going to get. So you know the care that goes into that store. Um, but I also like to say, on the other hand, the industry is so big. There's a lot of people that are in this industry um, for the money. So they want to produce the building, the interiors at a really tight margin because it's return on investment. So if, if they can have less investment and they know they can sell that, that license, um, 
That sounds so, like opportunity to me. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I think it's interesting too with such a competitive market because everyone's kind of starting at the same time. You have to find a way to differentiate yourself. And design is a huge way to differentiate yourself. You're also trying to build trust with consumers who are new to this because this is a new world. So it's it's no different than if you walk into a Target versus a Walmart. It's very different. But it's a different experience because they use richer colors in Target and it's warmer and it's this and it's that. And it's not the fluorescent lights. And I know that's really remedial design for sitting next to Mark Bryan, he's probably cringing inside. But just for us normal folks who aren't in the real design world intimately, I think it creates immediate trust. It creates immediate comfortability. It creates immediate credibility if they come in and they're like, wow, this is a really refined establishment instead of something that looks like it would just toss together overnight. You know, it, it feels different. The challenge is in, in doing what Tom does, especially is is how different things are from state to state, right? And And so that really does impact what you can do in the design. I mean, the laws in Michigan are completely different from here. So you go up to a, a dispensary or a retail, what they call provisioning center in Michigan, and, and the experience is completely different from the minute you walk in the door because, you know, they're allowed to do, they're, they're not a medical state necessarily anymore. There's a lot of adult use, uh, retail outlets up there, and they're allowed to do different things. So, so it's hard to you know, to get to what you were saying, it's hard to create the consistent experience, especially from state to state, uh, because you have so many different regulations impacting, you know, what you're allowed to do inside. Well, I'm curious, you know, from all of your perspectives, you know, I like to think about the future, um, you know, with the foresight practice and futurism uh, here at MA. I always like to ask the question about, you know, what are the signals and drivers of change that's happening uh, around the industry? But I'm just curious, Maybe I'm going to put this a little bit differently. So in the next five to 10 years, what do you think the future of dispensaries actually looks like? I, I'll go first just because I got there's some low-hanging fruit there. Tom kind of referenced it. Um, the COVID allowed um, dispensaries in Ohio to do some – the Board of Pharmacy loosened up some of their regulations. And one of the things they uh, did is they allowed for online ordering. I think we're going to see them keep that. Uh, they're going to announce that in August. And, and I don't think there's been any issues with that. I think the – the dispensaries are very happy with it. It, it, it really uh, adds efficiency to what they're doing. And the patients, most importantly, are happy with it. Uh, curbside delivery is a little bit of a, I'm gonna, I'm gonna vote probably not on that one. And the reason I say that is the Board of Pharmacy, uh, to my knowledge, is not allowing uh, curbside deliveries at their, dis at their pharmacies. So you can draw a lot of parallels and they wanna really treat these things like pharmacies. Now, pickup windows is an interesting one. They allowed for that during the COVID, but none of the existing uh, dispensaries were actually authorized to do it because they hadn't included it in their floor plans in their application. So I'm not aware of any of them converting to pick up windows during the pandemic. However, I do believe they will allow for those going forward. So there's a there's a great example of something that's going to add a lot of um, in conjunction with online ordering will will dramatically change the the model of the dispensaries um, and, and increase their their efficiency and their ability to to provide product to the patients, which we're going to greatly need because even these 73 dispensaries that we're about to award, it's going to take, you know, a year and a half before we see any of them really open. So during this next year and a half, as our patient count continues to grow and we're stuck with, you know, 50 some dispensaries, maybe up to 60, it's going to be very challenging for the patients in particular to get their, their medicine, their medicine. Um, and, 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 you know, Tom mentioned seeing lines out the door, you know, that, we used to, in the restaurant business, we say, you know, there's good problems and bad problems. I'm not sure if that's really true, but 
having a line out the door can is a lot of people say that's a good problem to have it, it is if you if you get your arms around it pretty quick nobody likes to wait in line you know so not for very long anyway so so you know the, that's a problem really that that we need to fix but in terms of other things that you'll see trending wise I, you know I, I do think we're going to start seeing more of a trend toward toward manufactured goods um, flour is always going to be around but we're really starting to see some innovation in some of the things, like Zach mentioned, the um, the combinations of cannabinoids that they're putting in these products, the delivery systems, uh, different techniques of extraction that will allow the medicine to take uh, effect in your system faster, things like that. I think there's a ton of, of innovation that we're about to see in those types of things. Zach, how about you? Yeah, I mean, I, uh, I, I agree with every, everything you said. I mean... Um, you know, I've always looked at myself as, as customer first. You know, when we were when I was 24 and we started Fusion, I, I was a pay, I was a customer. We created a place that we thought we'd want to eat at, um, and that was you know we started with the end in mind from that standpoint. So, um, you know, from from this industry, um, there's never we're never going to be able to create enough products to ultimately meet the demand. So, um, through intentional design, uh, starting with the end in mind, you know, through retail, even through you know, uh, the way we're designing our, our grow rooms, um, that all plays a part that affects the, the patient, the customer, a year down the road. Um, but, yeah, I mean, in terms of the technology um, and the extraction and, you know, we're, we're, we're installing automation equipment in our facility for, you know, putting our glass jars, you know, putting the flour in the jars and moving it down the line. And, you know, you know restaurant companies and these big manufacturing companies for, you know, food are starting to design brand-new equipment to help push this industry forward um so even someone that built a, a cannabis facility two years ago or three years ago some of that technology might be outdated and you're going to keep you know creating efficiencies to create a long-term sustainable business but as far as you know dispensaries i mean the experience for the consumer is or the patient consumer whatever however we want to call it um the more efficient that is the 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 better everybody will be in the long run so that's where there's opportunity now to create great design to create a better customer experience which builds loyalty over the long term um so you know you know a lot of this stuff i've been i've been designing like our glass jars so like we have this beautiful you know glass jar that we're putting our flower in and it was very intentional at the bottom of you know you can flip it upside down and there's a window so you can actually see the see the product um so the the the, the the details of of from packaging to to the to the logo that's on my hat to um that all makes an impact and it, there's little different nuances in design that affect each one of us differently so what might be a, a touch point for me is different than you which is different than them and um so all those details matter, and that's where, you know, that's why I was saying kind of opportunity exists because as you get bigger, you know, being nimble and making those changes and, and understanding the importance of design is where you can differentiate yourself. Um, and it's just like any other industry. I mean, you know, it's, you know, people would tell us forever not to get in the restaurant business, and, you know, if, if you're a good operator, you can make it. You know, it's, it's really that simple. If you're not a good operator, you won't. So it's, um, there's... Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know if that was kind of... I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'll chime in, too, because yeah, I think... Uh, you know, we always say retail kind of changes every five years. I mean, it feels like the marijuana industry is right there with it. I think the the growth and how the consumer is engaged in that experience is really changing. And I think it's, you know, from the waiting room, what is that waiting room experience if, you know, you only have a limited amount of people 
say there's another pandemic, um, what is that experience? Is it more like a coffee shop out front where you're just hanging out? But I think the evolution and the changeover is going to happen a lot. Um, and I, I think as far as the next five years, too, I think some of the litigation and the, the legal part and the insurance part. Um, banking. Banking. And uh, one, that's one thing they'll change. Writing the off your years. taxes, like the fact that you have, you know, we have a business and we write off our business expenses in the marijuana industry. You cannot write off a lot of those expenses, which is which is crazy. So I think the government is always way behind, but it feels like there's such a groundswell that they have got to address some of these major issues like, you know, even. Um, you know, crop insurance and, and mm -hmm. issues like that are significant. Yeah. A lot to crop think about. Crop insurance. That sounds wild. Imagine that. Oh, my gosh. Oh my God. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm so curious. So, you know, Mark, of course, hit it from a futurist perspective with trends, signals, and drivers. I'm curious from a behavioral psychology perspective. It sounds like the next five years are going to be the most pivotal period. And I came from pharmaceuticals. So I've worked for three pharmaceutical companies prior to a world in architecture, right? Which has no no connection really and i'm fascinated because your example in particular tom with the nausea for cancer patients we produced on dancentron it's a production facility right here in columbus ohio and if your doctor were to say to you you know what you're nauseous you need to take on dancentron you wouldn't think twice about it right but if somebody said you're nauseous why don't you try this thing from certified cultivators there might be some more hesitation so from a behavioral psychology change management perspective what do you guys think needs to happen beyond education in or in addition to education i should say in the next five years to get people to that place where they're as open-minded or and i'm not saying that it has to be what they choose but to think of it in the same way that they would think of if their doctor wrote them a script well that's sort of the that's sort of it isn't it i mean it, 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 it's, 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 <laughs> that's the question it's, it's, it's right now doctors can't in, unless they're uh, approved by the state of ohio to issue what's called a recommendation not a prescription that uh, that ha that that's a legal distinction that has to do with um, DEA rules. We won't go into that, but but there there are a growing number of doctors in Ohio that are that are now able or licensed to give mar medical marijuana recommendations. But but the real change that you're talking about will, will happen when doctors in general uh, know more about the 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 plant, uh, have more experience with its impact on their patients. Uh, and, and feel more comfortable with it in general, right? And, and that's, that's where a lot of the education, I think most people are, are gonna want to understand all those things, you know, before they jump in, you know, all the way uh, and start thinking of it as, you know, a real alternative medicine. Yeah, but it is a challenge. I mean, you, I think, Sam, you hit it on the head. It, it really is, you know, I mean, I'm not sure the pharmaceutical industry is really so gung-ho about all this opening up of this and, other paths towards um you know patient satisfaction so it's it's a it's fascinating snowball's only getting bigger as it's rolling down the mountain and it's moving in a direction so we all know it's moving in a in a in an upwards or a, i guess with the mountain it's moving in a downwards <laughs> direction <laughs> but it's getting bigger yeah. um yeah. and yes. over time you know you know the public opinion will continue to move in that direction as as the programs build and more states around us continue to push this whole industry forward you know people's minds will change as as the media and things around them are kind of helping them change their perception you know it's the beverages is is, is it's, it's like in the last two years is 
grown so dramatically. You know, it, it, at one point in the future, it'll be it's common to show up to somebody's home when they invite you over for dinner. Instead of bringing a bottle of wine, you could bring them a joint. Or you could bring them a, a cannabis-infused beverage for the people that are trying to not consume as much alcohol but are still trying to be a part of something and have some form of social component. So that is happening. It just takes time to do that. I mean, you go to the – there's local breweries all over town here and just like everywhere across the country. And you see families there and you see all these – and they're drinking alcohol. You know, alcohol is, is, is not good for you. I mean, it's – but it, it doesn't – nobody thinks twice about, you know, how it – you know the industry itself and and you know it's you don't put alcohol in the same category as cannabis yet but th- they will be eventually and that's how you know over time that'll it'll be there so it's it's already happening it's it's a lot more common in other states and it you know we're just in Ohio and it takes a little bit longer here for us so it's uh yeah we'll know we've arrived when you know the Stanley Cup finals has cannabis marketing now it's all DraftKings so that's 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 evolved it's gone from beer it's probably it's gone from cigarettes to beer to DraftKings, and weed is coming next one day one day one thing i want to share greg you you shared a really interesting story with us about the queen of england and hemp can you because i know you guys have said multiple times throughout this conversation this is not a new thing it's just a new evolution so i'm curious if you wouldn't mind sharing that story about so uh, one of the things I've done uh, in the last couple of years, t- two times actually, as I've, I've, I've gotten to teach uh, continuing legal education courses, uh, two of them, two uh, attorneys, uh, and, and, mo- and both of them were about the history of hemp, basically. And in my research for doing those, I learned that uh, when, when, you know, we don't, this is something, again, that kind of goes to the stigma. And how do we get this stigma, right? One of the things is, not, not only do, did, did we launch the war on drugs, you know, where we really made people fear the plant, but we really haven't ever, you know, we, we skipped 100 years of educating people about some of the good things about the plant. And so in this research, I learned that when, when the, uh, uh, our settlers came here, you know, a lot of people have this image of them kind of meeting down at the dock, like in the middle of the night, like we're sneaking out of England, right? <laughs> and, and everybody get on the boat, you know, like, and let's go, you know? And, um, and really what happened was, uh, in, you know, it, it, hemp was a very, very big, big uh, cash crop for a lot of nations uh, back at that time. And, and England was no exception. And England has a lot of water. They have a lot of coastline, right? So they're always susceptible to attack. Um, so their navy was very important. And the Queen of England uh, at the time um, was worried that she'd run out of land to grow hemp and, and needed more hemp for the navy. So when, you know, when this all happened, she, she was happy for these people to come to the, to the, the new land. Uh, and, and the, you know, she basically didn't care what religion they wanted to practice. And, and I, I like to say, you know, uh, she probably didn't care if they ran around naked, but, <laughs> but that she, they had to grow hemp. And so, you know, George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, all these people that we think of as the forefathers of our country, they all grew hemp. And, and not a lot of people know that. And in fact, I would venture to guess that like less than one or 2% of Americans know what, what type of impact hemp had on the formation of our country. In fact, for a long time, the $10 bill on the back of it showed hemp farmers. And, and, and until like the early 1920s or 30s or 40s when they, when they decided that that was something we needed to clean up because we're trying to get rid of hemp, you know? And, and, and how we and why we got rid of hemp is a fascinating story I won't go into right now, but. But, but just start, there's a great example of how, we, like I said, we, we've just, we've got a long way to go to, to educate people about 
just how important hemp was to the to the founding of this country. Well, and I think it's funny because one of my favorite exercises when we do our foresight practice is the looking back to look forward, which is basically you look at history as a precursor of what could happen. So if these things happened in the past, what does that mean for us looking forward in the future? So I think you just knowing that and knowing our history can help us think a little bit more about the future of what this industry, what can a business could look like. So, and I think then maybe for a final question, we've come to the end of our show, unfortunately, but Zach, I'm just going to turn it over to you and say, is there anything else you would just want people to know about cannabis or just in general? I always come back to having conversation um, and being open-minded about um, how it can affect you and, and thinking of cannabis as medicine. You know, if you can start there um, and have a conversation with just with that in mind, um, it could lead to being more open-minded about how it, it could help you or hurt you or, or help you in the future or people in your life. You know, it's... Um, Gummies, I always kind of go back to gummies because, um, you know, I keep finding that people that are anti-cannabis or, you know, didn't think they were, you know, they know how to consume it and kind of thinking of it as medicine when you start there and you're thinking about the, the dose that you're consuming. You know, when I would talk to my psychologist or my doctor about my Zoloft prescription, I have a very clear, you know, conversation with my doctor you know, how many milligrams I, sh- I should be consuming and how it's affecting me and then ultimately making decisions through that conversation on how much that dose affected me is then how I make a decision on what I need to do next. You know, do I lower my dose? Do I upper my do-, do I increase my dose or do I eliminate it? Um, and that's kind of where gummies are a great start to that. So I keep finding that people that, you know, are, you know, that don't are staying away from flour completely or, or and, you know, they don't want to smoke a joint, but having a conversation with gummies, they're more open-minded. So it seems like that's the, a good start. And then understanding how that affects you and what you're trying to accomplish with that dose is kind of where I always start my conversation. Um, and it's really just being able to have that conversation in general is, is, is step one. And then being an educated patient. And that's where, um, you know, it's, you know, that's where it needs to start. Um, and I kind of always revert back to that. And then you can kind of dabble with other things or whether it's a beverage or whether it's a vape card or different things to understand what you're trying to accomplish. Because if you start as an educated patient, um, that's going to help you figure out using it in a way that will ultimately help you accomplish whatever you're trying to accomplish. So maybe it's not, maybe it's a, you know, you're, you're trying to it, it depends on your life and where you're coming from, I guess. And now I'm kind of rambling, but I think that's where the beginning always starts is knowing, thinking of it as medicine and then trying to figure out what your dose is to, to figure out what you're trying to accomplish is a great place to start because if all you're trying to do is figure out how to sleep better at night you know, and stop taking Ambien or some type of pill to do that, but you know that five milligrams of THC you know, affects you this way. And then depending on if that's on a Tuesday or a Saturday, you're like, well, maybe I need seven or eight milligrams or 20 or 30 or who knows. Um, you know, but being an educated patient is where it needs to start. And it's our responsibility to take care of ourselves, no differently than the way you consume alcohol. You know, if you're out with your friends on a Friday night, if you, if you start drinking whiskey, you know, you have one glass, you're an educated guy, you know, how much one glass of whiskey is going to affect you. You go out and drink five or ten, you're like, you know how that's going to affect you. So you know as an educated adult um, how much you should consume and what you're trying to accomplish with doing that. As we create the conversation around that, it'll help everybody kind of thinking of it as medicine first. Um, 
whether you, you know, a doctor may say otherwise. But the point is, is starting there and understanding your dose. So you understand exactly how much you're consuming, um, and, and it helps you kind of continue to move forward. So, you know, it's, yeah. Well, I mean, what I appreciate about that is it's something that we should all be doing with every aspect of our lives, right? We should be doing the research. We should be looking into it, investigating before we make judgments, before we make assumptions. And so I really have also loved just the thread of education that has come through this entire episode where we've just realized how education is innovation and it leads to better creativity and to better communities. In particular, what you just said about kind of thinking about the past and how it affects our futures is whatever past experiences you may have had, you need to, you can remember those, but that doesn't necessarily affect your future. Meaning you may have been at a party with your friends and somebody gave you a brownie and you don't know how much you consumed, but you just ate an edible, you know, you're not an educated customer. So you telling somebody else about, you know, how this brownie affects you that you shouldn't consume a, you know, a highly, you know, um, uh, tested product in a, in a, the most, you know, in a program like Ohio that is extremely challenging, like literally everything we do gets tested and gets tested multiple times. So you didn't know how much, how many milligrams of THC you consumed when you ate that brownie at a party, you know, 10 years ago. Um, And using that to affect your decision making on how you consume a a highly regulated gummy in, in 2021 is, is two different things. So remembering where you came from in the past to how you move forward um, and having that conversation. So I, I mean, I have that conversation all the time. Yeah. I mean, everybody's story is different. Well, I just want to say thank you for the three of you for joining us. So thank you to Zach, Greg, and Tom for joining us and sharing your innovations and insights with our listeners. These are the innovations that can help our listeners find inspiration in their own lives to be thinking ahead and to create change. We, he- we hope to hear more about these innovations in the days, weeks, and months to come. If you'd like to learn more about us, visit our website at ma-architects.com. And if you want to continue the conversation, feel free to email me directly at markb at ma-architects.com. If you'd like what you heard today, please make sure to subscribe to our podcast so you can be the first to hear what is coming in terms of innovation and trends from three to five years ahead. Once again, I'm one of your hosts for Make It Innovative, Mark Bryan. And I'm Sam Moeller. I hope you can find the change you want to be to allow innovation to thrive in the way you live. Also on our website, we were going to have a blog post up with this podcast where you can find out more information about certified cultivators and Canarev solutions and some more information for education about the world of cannabis. Thank you guys so much for coming on. This was an awesome conversation.